Hey, Shanna, did you know that you can purchase audiobooks directly from your local bookstore? Yes. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But with Libro FM, you get to search up your local indie bookstore and support them instead. And if you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to squeeze more reading into your busy life. I constantly have a book in my ear because cleaning the house or exercising is so much more fun while reading. Sign up for Libro.fm and use the code GOODBOOKS to get two books instead of one for the price of your first month's membership. Good books. Good books. Okay, we're good. Okay. Hello, and welcome to the Best Book Club podcast. I'm Shanna. And I'm Jen. How are you, Jen? I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am glad to hear it. I'm good. Anything new in your world? One interesting thing did happen to me this week. Oh. I got summoned for jury duty. Oh, well, that's what you need. Yeah, I know. I always thought that if you got summoned for jury duty, that was it. Like you're doing it and you have no choice. So I was really stressed out when I got this letter in the mail. And the more people I talked to, the more I heard that they were, you know, just say that it would be a financial hardship and then you don't have to do it. I was like, all right. So all these people I know have done this, didn't have to do it. I have an exclusively breastfed baby who doesn't take a bottle. So apparently that was a good enough reason to... That should be a good enough reason. Yes. Yes. So it was a good enough reason. I was excused. Then it just kind of got me thinking about kind of the inequities of this law system that we have, where I'm pretty sure most of the population would experience a financial hardship if they had to take two weeks off work all of a sudden. Well, you know what they say, only the rich may judge. Yes. (laughs) So that, yeah, it leaves a very small portion of the population actually capable of sitting in judgment. I wonder if they have any sort of funding. I mean, the government must do something. They give you $20 a day. Oh, well. (laughs) I mean, that's enough, (laughs) right? For up to 10 days. Then after 10 days, you get $50 a day. And I think if it's like over 50 days in a row, you get $100 a day or something. So only people with a lot of money or people with literally no money can sit on a jury. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I feel like you could have just looked them in the eyes and been like, look at me. Yeah. (laughs) Do I look like I have time for this? Right. (laughs) I'll turn my ringer off. My baby girl is having her very first sleepover tonight. So Ah. I'm getting play by plays from grandma to ease my they're not fears. My boy sleeps over there all the time, but I'm just a glass case of emotion. (laughs) (laughs) So I know it'll be fine, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's not overnight, but when Kelly goes over to grandma's house, she gives me play by plays too. And I'm like, well, this is really great, but I actually don't want her (laughs) like right now. (laughs) I'm away from her. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't had too much time away from Cambria for the first year of her life. So when I went back to work, because I worked 10 hour shifts, Mm. by the end of that first shift, it's like, where is my baby? (laughs) That is a long time. I'm glad you're not a juror because we have no time for that. No, although it would have been really interesting. It was a criminal case. So that would be fun. That would have been kind of cool. Alas. Anyways, that was just my thoughts for the entire week. It's just about jury duty. Uh, And what are you reading right now? I am reading it's called one true loves by taylor jenkins reed oh yeah yeah so it's like a few weeks ago you revealed to me that she has other books other than daisy jones and evelyn hugo i was also just shocked yeah and you said that you probably didn't really notice them because they were of the romance genre Mm -hmm. yes which they are I mean, this one is anyways, it's very much (laughs) romance. And though I'm enjoying it and the characters are really well done and like the story's good. She kills it with characters. Yeah, she's doing an awesome job. The caliber of writing isn't quite as good as her newer stuff. Like it's really obvious. Although this book was, I think, published in 2016. So it's not even that old, but I guess it's just a completely different genre. 
It does not look like it would be for me. I saw the cover and I said, mm, nope. No, yeah. but I do have a few, <laughs> a few things to say about it that pertain to this episode. So it oh. will come up again. I mean, I will say before then, the worst parts about it is that it's just a bit far-fetched. Oh, okay. Like if anybody's read it, you know, I'm pretty sure that if you only eat seafood for three years, you would have scurvy. And I just don't understand why he didn't have scurvy, but that was just... <laughs> if anybody else has read it, please tell me if I've missed something as to how that didn't happen. I mean, is scurvy not a thing anymore? I don't know. Maybe there's a vitamin C rich <laughs> plankton. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, yeah, it was a little bit far-fetched, but otherwise, I mean, whatever. It was good. It's interesting. I find all romance. I'm like, oh my God, look at how much effort they're putting into this. Far-fetched. <laughs> Uh, it's it's good it's fun how are you what are you reading well i'm good i'm tired just work and babies and like i told you my kids are at a sleepover so actually this is my first night with no children in this house since uh cambry was born she's almost a year old so wow and you're i'm spending it with you (laughs) that's so nice oh yes I, this is so much easier with no children. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and what am I reading? You're not going to believe this. I am only reading the Cerulean Sea right now. Ah, so like me last week. Yeah, only one book is very strange for me. I did not have time to pick a new audiobook. And also, I feel like maybe I'm emotionally scarred with audiobooks <laughs> right now. I just finished the worst book I have ever read. And I don't want to give too much away because you are going to have to suffer through this book. Yeah, I I have it queued up and I'm not looking forward to it. Get ready. (laughs) All I will say is that I read The Queen's Gambit because it's such a popular show and everybody loves it. But all of those people must not have read the book. There's no way. (laughs) No way. But we will get into that on a full episode a different time. So I've been just trying to pick a new audiobook, but I haven't picked anything yet. And then as for physical book, yeah, I just, I'm still waiting on my Mrs. Christie book. I really should just pick something else up in the meantime, because it's going slow. But yeah, that's it. That's all I'm reading. I got to finish Cerulean Sea, so maybe I won't pick anything else up. I'll just uh, motor through the rest of that. Well, your ears need a break. They need... They do need, like, emotional cleansing. Yeah. Yes. All right, so today we are going to be talking about tropes, literary tropes, the good, the bad, and the ugly, according to our specific tastes. Maybe we should go into a little bit what actually a trope is. Yes. Honestly, I use the word all the time, and I'm still only like 78% sure. (laughs) I know a lot more about it now. Yeah. So, according to my dear friend Wikipedia, a literary trope is the use of figurative language via word, phrase, or an image for artistic effect, such as using a figure of speech. But that's not really what we're talking about. The word trope has also come to be used for describing commonly recurring literary and rhetorical devices, motifs, or cliches in creative works. That is the angle that we are looking at. So yeah, it's the stuff that we see over and over. And I think that knowing what some of the big tropes are is handy because that way it's easier to narrow down, for me, my reading tastes. Because if something has a trope that I know I don't like, I'm probably not going to like that book. And I can save myself some time and energy by not reading it. Yeah, I can't remember where I heard this. So this isn't my line, but... Someone said that cliches are always tropes, but tropes aren't always cliches. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important thing to point out because I think that tropes kind of have had a bad rap because they're are just thought of as cliches. And that's kind of the way I've I've heard them described, but that's not really true. They're actually just a really important part of storytelling. And it's actually how they're used that determines whether they're good or bad or whether they're cliche or not. That is exactly right. Trope has definitely, it's turned into a synonym for cliche. But if we go back to that first definition of a trope, they're actually literary devices. 
uh, specifically things like allegory, euphemism, irony, and metaphor, which, depending on the story you're writing or reading, are all super important things that you use to actually build a story. But the definition has definitely been changed and is being used differently. But really, all it is is common themes. Yeah. And yeah, I've only, I've really only actually heard it used negatively until doing research for this episode. I was like, oh, it's actually not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Cause sometimes if you find lists of like 10 tropes we love, then all of a sudden you've got a bunch of fun tropes. Well, depending on who you are. Yeah. <laughs> but they are very often put into lists of 10 tropes that need to die. Yeah, those are the ones that I I hear most often. Okay, so what we did is use the internet to collect a bunch of tropes from all over the place, different genres, and we're going to go through them just kind of one by one and chat about them and what we think. I thought this early on, it's kind of a fun way for you guys to get to know us as readers, and we get to know each other a little bit better, even though we've been reading together for a few years, so... I think we know each other's tastes pretty well. Yeah, I think I think we can buy each other books and Probably. it would be mostly <laughs> successful. There could still be some discoveries left to make, though. Maybe. <laughs> so each genre definitely has tropes that tend to go with it. Romance and fantasy, for example, are going to have very different common themes. Uh, same with YA and crime novels sci-fi and literary fiction. Would you like me to continue listing different genres? Because I could do this all day. I think we get the idea. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Good, because I was almost out of genres. (laughs) Um, So today's list will just be kind of a general tropes that exist kind of list. Ones that we thought we had something to talk about. I'm just going to go completely off topic and just add a little aside here. It's just something something that's been on my mind. Thinking about tropes is completely new to me and something I have not even thought about at all before preparing for this episode. It is not something that I look for when I am choosing books. I I don't I literally don't think of it or notice it at all. So I was a little bit actually intimidated going into this episode and didn't really know what the hell I was gonna say. But I kind of thought this would be a little bit interesting because it seems to be something that other people really have strong feelings about. So I spent an unreasonable amount of time this week trying to figure out why I'm the way I am. <laughs> I mean, it's cheaper than therapy. Yeah. <laughs> So I've just been talking to myself in my car wondering, why do I like love triangles? (laughs) Why? (laughs) I realized though that even though I consider myself a huge book nerd and I read way more books than I consume TV, I think that my real love for stories started with film, which I was super into in high school. So whenever I'm thinking of a specific topic, my mind automatically goes to film. So when I was thinking of examples for all these tropes, I was just thinking of movie titles. And I'm like, I am not doing a movie podcast. (laughs) I don't even really watch movies anymore. Like, why is this happening to me? Now, I'm saying all this and I'm just going to go with it. But Shanna literally doesn't watch movies hardly at all. No. Right? (laughs) No, I do not. It is actually shocking to people. Yeah, I've stopped being shocked about it, but (laughs) I'm just going to bore you just a little bit for just a minute. Okay, careful, because I'm pretty tired. Yeah, (laughs) I'll wake you up when this portion is over. (laughs) Anyways, I listened to a podcast this week where they were talking about M. Night Shyamalan's films and the common themes, the formulas or tropes that he uses quite often. And realistically, his films have almost become a trope in and of themselves is one of his things a shocking twist yeah (laughs) okay i thought so so it's the right director i'm thinking of yes but the thing with his twists usually is that they happen like the last scene of the movie it's not like the climax it's like the end okay yeah so yeah no you've got it you've got it (laughs) yeah so i've gotten quite a bit of flack over the years for being a fan of his because i'm i really haven't met anyone else who actually enjoys his movies did you know he has a book Yes, Lady in the Water. Mm. Yeah. That's as pretty much as much as I know about him. <laughs> yeah, which is also the title of one of his movies. I mean, the book is really hard to find. It pops up every once in a while and then is gone before I have a chance to get it. So mm. I don't have it. But anyways, so 
he is one of my favorite directors and I love pretty much everything he does. And listening to these people talk on this podcast, I kind of realized that the reason is because he does follow this formula and he does kind of have these repetitive themes. I really enjoy that. I like going into something and kind of knowing what to expect. I like that there's certain things that are going to be repeated. And I just actually, I honestly just kind of like being comfortable. You're somebody who tends to not mind spoilers. No. So that does track. Yeah, I don't mind spoilers. I like knowing what's happening. And I mean, it's not to say that I, you know, I don't like being shocked because the Shyamalan twist is a real thing and it there are good ones. So even though the stories are kind of so tropey and ridiculous and cliched, they're awesome and I love them. And it does kind of reflect in the books that I like because, I mean, I like all different kinds of books, but I tend to like things that everyone else hates. (laughs) Someone's like, I hate that. I'm like, yeah, I love that. Uh, And I think this kind of plays into that a little bit, which is just kind of a a fun thing to know about myself. And I mean, I do think that humans in general do appreciate the familiar. So maybe I'm not like way out there, but I'm just like a little bit extra in that way. (laughs) Well, I definitely have some genres and things that I really love, too, that I just cannot convince anybody else to not hate. So... (laughs) Unless you make them read them for book club and then one person ends up liking it and the rest still do hate it. (laughs) Ah, yes. (laughs) It's not great, but... (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. But I think it's just one of those things. If you know what you like, you know what you like. And that's fine. Uh, It's okay to like the things you like. Yeah, I'm I'm getting much more comfortable with just liking what I like as an adult. I mean, the older I get, the more I'm like, ah. No one's going to judge you but me. And (laughs) And I don't care about that. (laughs) (laughs) Who would care about that? Uh, yeah, people who are judgy about that can just shove it. And that means don't leave me a comment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't leave me a comment about how much you hate M. Night Shyamalan because I don't care. <laughs> yeah, as long as things that people like aren't actually hurting anyone, yes. just do you. I really enjoy the fantasy genre, so lots of the tropes in that genre tend to fall into the category of things that I like in stories. Uh, Romance and YA, though, are both genres that tend to be a lot more miss than hit for me, and they definitely have common tropes that drive me up the wall. I I mean, I'm kind of heading more towards enjoying fantasy more than anything, but romance and YA have definitely been genres that I've enjoyed in the past, so there's not really very many that just drive me up the wall or that I love. I'm kind of like... Pretty easygoing? Pretty easygoing. I kind of go more for just the story in general, and it doesn't really bother me. But I will literally throw a book. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm a little bit more tolerant than you (laughs) in the the tropes department, possibly. So here we go. In no particular order, I just clicked around the internet and grabbed some that sounded interesting. And I tried to grab from different genres so that we didn't get like a really hard hate on for one genre accidentally. <laughs> but yeah, let's get started with right. the off-limits romance. Ooh, I like this one. <laughs> oh, I don't. <laughs> okay, so when I saw this one, what came to mind first was uh, Cassandra Clare and the sibling romance thing. Um, that's not really a spoiler. If anything, that's a uh, content warning for anybody yeah. who hasn't read it. Um, I do enjoy uh, most of the Shadowhunters books that I've read, some more than others, but that's not what we're talking about. No, there's definitely certain things in them that, that you don't enjoy. Yes. And this is one of them. Lots of parts that I do like, but yeah, Ugh, that romance just was so icky. <laughs> I just hate like two people who are crushing on each other and then you find out, oh, there's a good chance you're siblings. That is when I say, okay, we're not crushing on each other anymore. But they just like <laughs> keep being in love and longing for each other in like a weird hormonal teenager Ugh, I don't like it it was pretty intense but I I mean I didn't really mind that incestuous forbidden love thing um (laughs) but (laughs) I think that's I mean I do mind it 
if it was real. Mm-hmm. But I think that in this case, I I knew that they weren't actually related and it was kind of just drove me crazy because I was like, just have that be revealed already. And they also didn't grow up together. So it's not like, but did you know that Cassandra Clare had a controversy? Maybe I'm spilling some tea, some really, really old Ooh. tea. But she had a controversy because she had fan fiction that she had written that was siblings. <laughs> oh, so <no. laughs> it sounds like this might just be like a thing, which I think maybe added to the ick factor for me. Just being like, oh, interesting. God, the button for you. I, ugh. For me, I'm thinking, ooh, that's hilarious. I love that. <laughs> Again, I've spent a lot of time wondering what's wrong with me. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Part of it could be that my love of reading actually started with V.C. Andrews, which is all incest. (laughs) I mean, I was, (laughs) I was very young when I started reading my mom's books off of her shelf. So being in love with your uncle or your brother. Oh, I forgot about uncles. Oh, yeah. So many uncles. Yeah. Yeah, so that's different from your The Hobbit, you know, your love yeah. reading started with The Hobbit, mine started with V.C. Andrews. Yeah, yeah, those are very, very different. I've never read V.C. Andrews, uh, so it sounds like I would not like it. No, you would not. <laughs> yeah, I won't bother. I won't bother picking it up. <laughs> please don't, please don't. <laughs> I'll just tell you about it here and there. Maybe one day I'll lose a bet hard enough. Ooh, we could set that up. Yeah. <laughs> I guess more common examples of a forbidden romance would be like affairs in books, which I also hate. I always get so frustrated because just break it off with the person you're with. Do that breakup and then go live your life. I just, why are you hurting each other? I don't like it. I also don't love affairs in novels, come to think of it. And I can't really think of any that I've read recently but I do find them to be quite boring and having an affair doesn't necessarily make a character interesting. I can think of one exception, actually. Oh, mm. but that might be a spoiler. I was thinking of in um, mm. Evelyn Hugo. Oh. <sighs> I guess it kind of goes to the caliber of writing, whether or not. I think yes, actually. <sighs> I mean, she had a, a very special circumstances all throughout her life, so I don't, I don't know. This is true. Anyways. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, as I'm saying this, I have actually realized the book that I'm writing has an affair in it. (laughs) Well, so you know what they say, write what you hate. (laughs) Yeah, I cannot critique anything because my own writing also sucks. (laughs) Oh, no, this keeps happening to me. I'm sure it's not bad. This is not a book you will ever read. Other people I hope will. <laughs> not you. <laughs> if you're, if it's very successful, then you'll just know that your formula is write what Shada hates. Yeah. Yes. I'm glad to be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you hate, so we're good. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I think that maybe the only version I can think of this off the top of my head here is like Jasmine and Aladdin. Yeah. Like, not the gaslighting and the deceit. Which I was totally fine with. (laughs) (laughs) No, oh my god, the whole time I'm like, girl, he doesn't, what? (laughs) I'm literally just singing A Whole New World the whole time. I'm I'm good. (laughs) (sighs) But I think it's more like the princess and the common folk thing. Like, they're not supposed to be together. Yeah, when they're forbidden for like class reasons or maybe even like if it's a historical fiction like race reasons or something like something legitimate not that those reasons are necessarily legitimate but at the time another one that like romeo and juliet yeah going to shock you you have not read it it. (laughs) (laughs) no no i've read romeo and juliet and the whole time i just like why are you two so stupid as you say this i'm literally thinking but the movie's so good (laughs) Oh my god, no, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. The Baz Luhrmann adaptation. Oh, you're, no, who, you're who is it? incorrect. What? I was going to say Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio, Vinci, but he's not. Yeah, no. Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes. I oh. love them. I love that movie. It's so good. John Leguizamo, amazing. Oh, Romeo and Juliet are just two of the most annoying twerps. But... <laughs> uh, just, just what I love. <laughs> But yeah, I'm not sure if the Aladdin and uh, Jasmine thing is more of like a rags to riches 
Yeah, well, I think they can they can fall into both. Yeah. Another trope that we have kind of alluded to that kind of pairs nicely is love triangles. I hate love triangles. Is this going to be the Shanna hates everything episode? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> it might just. <laughs> um, you actually have a video on your YouTube channel where you talk about how much you hate love triangles. So if anyone wants to dive deeper into that hatred, I will link it in the show notes for you. Yeah, check it out. I personally love a good love triangle, as long as all three people who are in the triangle know that they're in it. If it's just two people being asses, then it's just a love line. Yeah. (laughs) Someone's left out of it. That's not cool. But yeah, I'm all for like the drama and the strong feelings. I love that stuff. I think they take so much agency away from women so often in love triangles. Like it's always one woman and two guys. And for some reason she has to pick one. Yeah. Oh, do I want this babe or this babe? Yeah. You want neither babe. Yeah, that is true. Very rarely that two, two girls, one guy. I might be a mom because all I'm thinking is you don't want either guy. You want to go to college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yes, you do. Yeah. So the love triangle is most often found in YA and romance, obviously. And I used to read these two genres, like I said, a little bit more regularly. But as I've gotten older, I've kind of lost interest a little bit. So I don't come across them as much. But there is actually a pretty great love triangle in the book that I'm reading right now, which, as I mentioned, was One True Loves by uh, Taylor Jenkins Reid. So, yeah, there is a, a really good love triangle going on. But, I mean, it, it's not like everyone in the triangle knows that they're in it. So that's good. And it's like an impossible situation. It's not something that was just like, and I met somebody else. It's like, it. this is also a huge trope where... The husband dies and the wife moves on and then he's not dead. He's alive. Ugh. Well, so <laughs> that's happened. I guess it's kind of on him for fake dying. <laughs> fake dying and somehow not getting scurvy uh, and swimming for two <sighs> days straight out into the middle of the ocean where he was saved. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, you're right. I shouldn't read this. You book. should not read this book, but... <laughs> It, it, if you're enjoying it, that's good. <laughs> it is a lot of fun. So, but yeah, it's it's completely over the top and ridiculous, but I'm loving it for that reason. But yeah, it's there's I mean, there's tropes all over this book in in not necessarily the good way, but I am cool with it. Okay. The next one here is The Secret Heir, which I thought when I found this said The Secret Hair. <laughs> I automatically translated that inside of my brain to that thing, you know, when somebody's hair color defines their personality. Yes. It's a physical characteristic, not a personality trait. I am over. And the child was born with red hair. And that somehow makes them magical or makes their backstories tragic just because they're so different. Maybe I just know a lot of redheads. Yeah, (laughs) maybe. I'm like, they're so common. (laughs) Also, I think that all the redheads we know would say, well, I am magical. Like, what? That is a thing. But I don't know. If people would just stop being assholes to redheads, because I know they do tend to get a hard time. Or at least they did. I don't know. They do. They do. But if people would stop sucking, then it wouldn't be so common. But yeah, let's see. She was blonde means she was dumb. Uh, she had mousy brown hair equals boring and plain. Or she had raven black hair. It's just her being moody and mysterious. Why can't you be blonde and moody and mysterious? I feel moody and mysterious. Yeah, I would agree. You look that way as well. <laughs> You're, I don't know, blondish brown hair. That's why I do this thick black eyeliner so I can make up for the blonde. <laughs> This also applies to eye color all of the time. Uh, You know when people have purple or silver eyes? Oh my gosh, indigo. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. That's not even what the trope is. It just is what I thought of when I read it. So I'm glad I got that off my chest. Yeah, it's it's for real. I mean, I literally grew up feeling like I was so lame because everything I ever read told me that my brown hair was mousy and that that meant that I was plain and boring. So... That wasn't really very cool growing up with. Uh-uh. And obviously, I know that that's not true now as an adult that has dyed hair to be dark brown. <laughs> so I can be <laughs> moody and mysterious because that's what I choose to be. I do find you mysterious. 
Anyways, what the secret heir actually is, is, you know, somebody's just living their life, and then they find out that they're actually the queen. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the basis of, like, every Christmas Hallmark movie there is. <sighs> you know, okay. I don't have a total hate on for that <laughs> trope. I think it is definitely a hit and miss. The writer and the rest of the story is going to make a pretty huge difference about whether or not I hate that one. Yes, this is true. It can be a lot of fun. It can also be pretty boring. Next up, we have one. It's kind of one of the main ones. The Chosen One. Yes, this is a big one. And I kind of think this one kind of goes along with like the hero's journey. It's, I mean, I kind of see them kind of on the same level, I guess, at least. They're very similar, but I suppose the difference is that with the chosen one, the one who's chosen doesn't get a choice. They're just chosen to go on this journey and to do these tasks. Whereas the hero's journey, they usually, they have the chance to make that choice in the beginning, which I mean, they always choose yes. So yeah. Well, you think about like Bilbo, he was chosen by Gandalf to be the thief and to go on this adventure. And then he goes on the classic hero's journey. Yeah. Those go very hand in hand. Yeah, definitely. Not that I know, actually, because I have not read or watched Lord of the Rings. I just assume (laughs) that what you're saying is correct. Trust me. (laughs) Um, I guess this is one that I probably stray away from the most. It's not a trope that I'm attracted to in the least. Like, I haven't read Lord of the Rings, and I really have no desire to. I really Um, think you would hate it. I haven't read Lord of the Rings, actually, but... The Hobbit is one of my favorites. I've been avoiding Lord of the Rings, though, because I know that the language is very, very dated. Mm. So I'm afraid of not loving it, but I am going to try and get to it this year. Well, I have, okay, I have watched one of the movies, obviously, and I did (laughs) want movies. (laughs) Um, I did want to read one of the books because what I was seeing on the screen was so interesting and so beautiful that I needed to see. Yeah. I really wanted to, to see how that was described on paper. So someone said, well, you have to start with the Hobbit and you're going to hate me, but (laughs) I tried starting with the Hobbit and I could not read that book. Oh, it's so good. It's such a fantastic book. I can't yeah. believe how wrong you are. Oh, I, I, I mean, I, I believe it. I, I, I believe that I'm wrong. I'm not saying in any uh, way that I am right about this, but I, no, I couldn't do it. No. Maybe now. That was years ago. So maybe I would try again. But. Maybe, but I mean, I just, oh yeah, I love that book. I was going to say, what are those things called? Trolls? <laughs> no, literally it's called The Hobbit. It, they're hobbits. So well, I, I don't know. To be fair, there's only one hobbit. Okay. <laughs> the hobbit, literally. All right. <laughs> Okay, well, I'll try again one day. But yeah, so it's not really one that I'm interested. Even Harry Potter, super chosen one. I read the Harry Potters, so it's not that I don't like him. But I really only read the books because one of my friends literally said, if you do not read them, we are no longer friends. (laughs) Oh, is that what I should have done with The Hobbit? Yes. I mean, you (laughs) still can. (laughs) Apparently, I I just listen. Uh. No, I would never. Also, Jora was super big into Harry Potter when she was younger. So I really kind of wanted to just be able to be in that world with her a little bit. So I did read them and I enjoyed them, but I didn't love them the same as everyone else seems to. I loved the Harry Potters when they were coming out. I grew up with them like in exactly the right age bracket. Mm -hmm. And oh, they were so fantastic. I think that's kind of a really important point is that most of the people who really love them did read them when they were younger and kind of grew up with that. So me just reading them as an adult, it didn't quite have the same effect. No, in hindsight, as an adult, Harry Potter is a terrible chosen one. (laughs) Yeah. He doesn't do anything in the books. He, it's everybody around him who does everything. And he just complains a lot. Like, I loved reading them growing up, but yeah, he would have flopped really hard without everybody else. And you can argue that he had everybody else around him because he was the chosen one. (sighs) Yeah. But yeah, Yeah. I actually, I have a friend on YouTube who did a video all about chosen ones. So I will beg Jen to put that in the show notes because it was a good one. So you should check it out. I will put it in there. Thank you. I don't know how to do it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the next one is The Mentor, which I, I mean, I don't really have a whole lot to say about this one. 
But I do know that the mentor is one of the main archetypes in the hero's journey. Yes, I love a good mentor, but it is definitely very much part of the fantasy and sci-fi tropes, mostly fantasy. So since that's more my genre of choice, I've come across a few mentors in my day. They usually take the form of a wizened old man or woman. And this can be a problematic trope because quite often it's the only place that people of color are featured. So the wise old black man or the wise old black woman is a thing. And I think it's I think it's starting to get better. I don't know, but I mean I, I would hope it was starting to get better, but I don't have any evidence. Yes, exactly. But I do I love a good mentor. I love a wise old man or woman who guides our hero to their destiny. We've got okay, well this is Star Wars, but like Obi Wan and Yoda are mentors. Yeah, all I can think about is Star Wars when I'm thinking of the hero's journey and the chosen one. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> obviously, that's not... I mean, there are books of Star Wars, but it's not... I've read some, yes. It's not... They didn't start out that way, as far as I know. But yeah, so I love mentors. Or what's... <laughs> I wish Andrew was here, because I don't know why. I've read a bunch of books with mentors in them, but I can only think of ones from TV shows. <laughs> right. Uh, but like the Ninja Turtles have... <laughs> oh, yeah. What is it? Is um, it a rat? Splinter. Splinter. And then uh, also Goku from Dragon Ball Z. He goes to the island and I cannot remember his goddamn name. This is a problem I've been having. I cannot think of book examples. What? Master Roshi? Sounds like someone I've heard of before. It's Whether or not right. that's a mentor, I don't know. I don't know. It's been a minute since I watched Dragon Ball. But yes. Anyways, I love them. I love a good mentor. Oh, and plus, they're great for killing in the third act to really <laughs> yeah. push the hero on. Very true. All right. What is up next? Token diversity. That's a bad one. Yeah. So this one is always super obvious to me. Um, this is actually is one that I, I notice quite often. And it is one of the tropes that I don't really think has a positive side. The word token it's, is what makes it. Yeah. Never have a good side. No, like I, I always like, I always do like the characters that these people are playing. But yeah, the fact that they're they're just thrown in there just for not cool. These people deserve yeah. real live parts mm-hmm. in these books or movies. Or yes, we always have a woman, a gay person, a black friend, or an Asian friend. Sometimes you even get both. Yeah, but there's always only one. Or you can get the different types. Like if you have two women, you're going to have a manic pixie dream girl and another one, a femme fatale. (laughs) Yeah. Like they're never just proper characters in their own right. No. And they always end up being kind of a caricature of themselves. Yes. So they're always super, you know, over the top. And then other tropes tend to also get globbed onto them. Uh, We have the buried gays where the gay character is always going to die, and they're going to die tragically. I don't know why they can't just let the gay character live and be happy, but... Well, yeah, and you can also go into, like, gay villainy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's not great. I don't love it. Although, I, as I'm saying this, um, <laughs> the book that I'm writing... <laughs> oh, no! You have a dead gay villain! <laughs> I mean, maybe, but (laughs) (laughs) maybe I do want to read this book. I don't know. (laughs) Um, You know, it's I have. Yes, I I do have a gay character, although maybe it's not done poorly. I don't know. I mean, I I think I have the right to write one, but who knows? And also, I kind of did realize that I didn't have a lot of diversity only just because I didn't think that they're would have a lot of diversity in the situation that they're in, in the town that they live in, in the time that they live in. So I don't know. I'm I'm kind of struggling with this a little bit, but I'm probably doing it wrong. I think it's hard, especially because, I mean, it, you saw our picture when you clicked on this podcast. We are both definitely white and yeah. women. Yes. So we have very limited experience with diversity and we haven't been, you know, we haven't been a black person. 
or yeah. yeah so I don't really feel very qualified qualified yeah I don't feel qualified to write characters that aren't me really yes I know that um lots of authors will use like special editors mm. specifically for those characters that is a good idea yes uh Hank Green talks about it Oh, a good person. Because uh, right. with Maya and some of his characters in his books, he, as a white man, was not qualified to write a black woman. No. So, yeah. I like that. That's interesting. That makes me feel a little bit better. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Maybe not doing it all wrong. We'll see one day. With the token diversity trope, this is kind of off topic, I guess, but a little bit. Uh, not, I don't know. Ben, my son is super into the Avengers right now. And every night we are reading Avengers books. And my husband and I, we were brainstorming a potential family costume because we are that family who's all matching on Halloween. Uh, So we were thinking about maybe doing the Avengers for next year since it'll be us and three kids. And then the costume started falling apart when we started thinking, well, what if this baby is another girl? Then we have three girls in the group. And with superheroes, there's not that many. No, there's not very many women. And the ones that they do have tend not to be especially interesting. They don't get the same backstory and respect and awesome factor that all of the male superheroes get. I volunteered to be Thor because Thor is great. Yeah, why not? I'm not against my girls dressing as male superheroes if they like them, but they're too young to choose. But... Well, if the next one even is a girl, I don't know. Yeah, it would just be nice, I think, if there was the option that they could choose either a strong female character or a strong male character, whichever they wanted. Exactly. But alas, there is... There is a deficit. Imbalance. Yeah, there's an imbalance there. Okay, next. I really like this one. A trope (laughs) that I like. Ooh. The gruff old character whose life is changed by a precocious child. Yeah, I have no choice but to love this one now after reading (laughs) A Man Called Uwe. Such a good book. There's not much that is better than having their rough exterior peeled away to reveal this old softy. Although I didn't always feel this way, it took me actually so long to read that book because I literally had no interest in reading a story about an old man. And it turns out I actually really like elderly protagonists. I never picked up books with old people as the stars because how on earth would I possibly relate to them? Exactly. But all of the ones that I've picked up now have been great. Like I finished the Thursday Murder Club. Yeah. And that was about a bunch of old people in a retirement home solving murders. And uh, it was so good. It was like a cozy mystery and I loved it. And yeah, a man called Uwe. I just think I am able now to give these uh, elderly protagonists a shot because they've been a swing and a hit for me the last few times. Yeah, I think maybe when I turned 34, it kind of planted me right into my mid-30s, which is now officially way older than everyone else. (laughs) And maybe now I can relate to 80-year-old men. Maybe. I mean, it's closer than it used to be. Yes. And it's coming up really fast. So I may as well start studying now. (laughs) But yeah, A Man Called Uwe was the creme de la creme of this genre. It wasn't even just a precocious child. It was a precocious neighborhood. Yeah. That just... Yeah, this was one of our, both of our top books for the year. So I mean, I'm just going to throw it out there that maybe we want to do a more in-depth episode. We should. It was so good. I absolutely love that book. If you have not read it, honestly, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Yeah, this was one that I I said that I don't cry very often. There were tears. There were actual tears. So, I mean, if it can make me cry. It can make anyone cry. Yes. (laughs) I've been noticing in The House in the Cerulean Sea that this is kind of a trope that is happening. Yes. And I am not against it at all. No, it's so good. Uh, I mean, he's not quite like a gruff old man, Linus, but he's he acts like one. Yeah, he's what, his mid-40s, early 40s? Yeah, yeah he's 40. Yeah, oh, okay. I think, yeah. Oh, so yeah, he's yeah, not yeah. old. He's like just a little bit older than me. <laughs> But he, he acts way older, so. Yes. 
And he's definitely got that personality. It's so good. Yeah, I'm only about 65% of the way through. But yeah, you can definitely see that being a theme. And I just enjoy children in stories that aren't being kidnapped and murdered. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't happen very often, actually. <laughs> Almost always. Every time I see something it says child, I'm like, oh, how's this one going to die? Yeah. <laughs> because ugh, books hate me. I honestly have such a hard time picking anything up because they always kidnap the children. Yeah. Yes, they do. But yeah, I don't want to say too much about Cerulean Sea because that's next week. Yeah. So excited for that. Mm. So there was... One more here on the list that I wanted to mention because it is maybe not my least favorite trope, but it is up there with the kind of trope that will literally make me throw a book. Poor communication kills. All right. It's funny because it's a pun on poor (laughs) communication skills. Oh, (laughs) I don't get puns. So that, well, no, I didn't get that. But thanks for explaining it. (laughs) I'm like 70% puns. Yes. (laughs) So when two people or a group of people just aren't communicating, this might actually be what I hate about Romeo and Juliet. Mm, Yeah. It's just bad communication. Like, hey, I'm going to drink this poison. Don't get sad and drink the poison too. (laughs) That would have solved a lot of problems in the end of that book. But, oh, sorry, spoilers for Romeo and Juliet. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately. And I think also with, like, love triangles, with so many things, I think at the core of it is people not communicating properly. You've got these characters who are like, I wanted to tell him what I thought, but I didn't. And then he didn't know what I was thinking because people aren't mind readers. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah, this... This is like the main thing that I hated about Sally Rooney's normal people Mm. was that the whole book was like that. It was like, I love him. I actually don't care about you at all. And then (laughs) he'd be like, oh, she's the best person I've ever met. And then he'd be like, maybe we should see other people. Just not ever saying what was on their mind and just saying completely different things, not communicating. It was a nightmare. I remember you describing this book to me because I had it on my, maybe I should check it out list. And you were like, you will hate this book so badly. Yeah. It was not for you. I mean, it was, I'm not even sure it was for me. I still don't (laughs) really know if I liked it or not. I can't So many people really, really love it. So maybe the poor communication skills thing is a me problem, but oh, oh, it makes me just, it makes me tense thinking about it. Yeah. No, it's super frustrating. I hate that too. We agree on something. Yeah. That's good. (laughs) I just had a little fun fact. (laughs) That I wanted to slide in there. Fun fact with Jen. I have so many. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think they're fun. Carmen Maria Machado uses tropes in a really interesting way in one of her books called In the Dream House, where she uses them to examine her abusive relationship through the lens of various tropes. So she takes each chapter of the book and titles it with a different trope, such as like lesbian pulp novel, Bluebeard, Cautionary Tale. There's so many of them. So she tells each part of the story in a way that reflects that particular trope. And it was just such a unique way to write her memoir. It sounds so interesting. I wonder how it is on audio. Oh, I don't even, I haven't even thought to look if there was one. Hmm. Because I keep meaning to read this book and I don't have an audio book going. So maybe I'll check that out because you have talked about this one a few times. (laughs) I talk about it all the time, actually. Um, I I was being very generous with a few. (laughs) (laughs) I talk about it all the time. Which makes me think it must be fantastic. It's so good. It's so interesting. It sounds so good. And even has the best part, Mm. a choose your own adventure. That might not translate well into audio. Yeah, that's the only thing that I was like, "Hmm, probably not. So maybe they wouldn't, but I don't know. Maybe they figured out a way. Because, I mean, realistically, the choose your own adventure in this book, it's all not very good. The adventure is, it's really, it's a sad. It's really only got one ending. Yeah, of not good. Choose so. which page number you want to read the sad thing on. 
yeah, it just kind of continues on in a cycle anyway. So that was kind of my main introduction to even thinking about tropes. I wonder, because I guess since it's kind of, it's the same story that she's telling over and over, but through these different lenses, right? So it's not, it's kind of, it's not necessarily like told in a linear fashion, but it is like the story from like when she meets her girlfriend to when they break up and beyond and everything that happens in between. So it just kind of tells like little snippets of the story, but they're all in a different, like they're all through a different trope. Okay, it, It's, it's, it's really kind of hard to, to explain in a way. I think that does it justice, but. But what, like, were there certain ones that stood out to you as better? So I just wonder like if a Pulp Fiction style, if that would be a little bit you like, if then if you were to go and pick up other Pulp Fiction books if yeah, like I, those would draw you in you know what i now i'm analyzing you <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know the answer but now i want to reread this book and find it out you know what i i'm gonna look and see if i can find it on audio so we will be able to talk about that one soon i think there's quite a lot to talk about in this one maybe i won't i won't talk about it all now <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, no it. more fun facts no save more fun it. facts <laughs> Um, so that was just like a smattering of tropes from around. Some of the ones that we decided to move were like, there are so many woman specific tropes that I feel like they deserve their own episode to talk about because female characters are an important part of stories, but they are very often treated and written in ways that can be really good and really fun. Like, a femme fatale can be a great kind of character if she's written in a really interesting way. So it's not necessarily a bad trope. It's just I find they're not done very well very often. So I thought we would just put all of those together and talk about all of those different times. Yeah, there was no way we could fit all of those into this episode, but we didn't want to leave them out altogether. And it would have very quickly devolved into a feminist rant. Yeah, so we may as well do that all at one time. <laughs> all together. You can choose yeah. to click on that one. <laughs> I think that's pretty much all we've got to say about tropes for today. Yeah, that's just a little bit of insight into our reading tastes. And just my own random thoughts. Yes, and fun facts. <laughs> fun facts. <laughs> So uh, for the last time, I'm going to say, if you haven't picked up The House in the Cerulean Sea yet, do it so that you can join us next week for Book Club. Yes, I am going to finish this one pretty quick. I've been only getting to read it at night, which is how I read my books the slowest because I can get like five to ten pages in before I am asleep. But I find it's still moving pretty quickly because I do want to keep turning the pages and I'm definitely having thoughts. So I am so excited to talk about it with people. Yeah, I, I can't wait for this one. I'm loving this book and I can't wait to hear what everybody thought. Oh, yeah. My husband doesn't care. I am just being like, you want to hear about my book? It's like, I mean, you can say the words. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> it'll be nice when people know what I'm talking about. Yes. Thank you guys for joining us. You can find us all over the place at best underscore book club. We would love it if you join us over on the Facebook group to talk about what tropes you like and which ones you don't like. Come over there and join us in the discussion. We will see you next Wednesday for book club. Thanks, guys. All right. See you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.